This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back to the show, my friends. Today we have with us Mia Hewitt. She is a business coach that heals trauma. Mia has co-owned and operated seven-figure businesses. She's an international speaker, world-class business coach, and she is also an author. She helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs who know they are meant for more. So, Mia, let's talk about this today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Queen. It's a pleasure to have you here. And you know what? I'm so, so uh, interested in knowing what what this healing the trauma is for entrepreneurs, because this is not just for anybody, right? This is specifically for entrepreneurs. Well, it's actually anybody, but I, I specialize in entrepreneurs because I built multi-million dollar businesses. I feel like, um, you know, I, in a little background on me, I grew up poor and um, I remember like, you know, some of my greatest pain was like, not having enough money, our dog dying, um, cause our house was so infested with fleas, you know, they literally oh. sucked the blood out of him. And so I, for me, entrepreneurs are really close to my heart as far as helping people become wealthy. Anybody who wants to become an entrepreneur, um, or those that are already an entrepreneur, how to really scale to six and seven figures, the easy way, like how do we really do life and make life work for us instead of it always feeling like life is against us. So mm. I, I help them the most because it's who I have the most to give a value because I've done all of it. I've done, I've built two million dollar companies, one completely from survival and through my trauma. And I've built another one completely from flow and from alignment and from ease. And they're like night and day difference. Mm. Like, it's not even the same. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what? You just reminded me of something that was mm. it was actually kind of forgotten in the back of my mind. Um, you, you mentioned how you grew up poor, and I thought about it's it is related, but somewhat weird thought that um, I, I lived in Europe from the age of five till to thirty, so for twenty five years. Yes, and there was one thing that. When you went to the ATM and you tried to take out money and you mm. didn't have any in there, mm. there was this little, um, I don't know what you call it, it's like a smiley face that show up and would give you a thumbs down. Really? So it was so depressing. Now that I think about it, it was so sad. Mm. Be- not only because you you knew you didn't have any money, but now there's the whole screen with that thumbs down. And if there's anybody behind you, they know you're out. <laughs> so that was, wow. Wow. I didn't know they had that. That would definitely trigger your ego and like the concern of like looking bad and what are people going to think of me and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Right. It's yeah. definitely there. Yeah. I don't know why, why that came up now, but it was, yeah, it was it was stressful going there because Ooh. I knew there was always a chance, maybe an eighty percent chance there was a, there wasn't going to be anything there. <laughs> uh, uh, totally get that. I totally get that, and I empathize with anyone who has ever lived that way, right? Not in, like mm-hmm. always feeling on edge of like survival and feeling like you know, you know, how do I survive like this and how do I survive that? 
Yeah, it's fascinating. When we when we start to see how it all comes together, how does it all work? Like how, like I get people all the time that say to me, I'm going to grab my board. They'll say to me like, oh, Mia, like, um, you know, but what if I grew up in the most incredible, like I had the best family, I had the best childhood, like I don't have a trauma. And I love that because we tend to think in society at large, we think that trauma has to be something like, they had to have been either like sexually abused or severely beaten, but mm. trauma in itself. And I'm not saying that isn't extreme, you know, that isn't a trauma. Those are traumas. But what, what I'm referencing to trauma and how things really work is as a child grows, they grow through an emotional bond of trust. Mm. And when that emotional bond is broken, when they feel like uh, that, all this immense shame, all this immense feeling like there's something wrong with them. What it, and it usually happens most often, definitely before the age of eight. We see the original ones often um, between three and four years old. And even people who say, oh, I don't remember my childhood. It's okay. You don't have to. We help people who never can't remember anything. You just have to know how to ask your subconscious mind the exact right questions. But what happens is, is as we're going along, right? Like, so it's kind of like this, right? If you would say, so let's say for instance, when we're born, every baby is born whole, perfect and complete, right? Not, not one baby is born with a self-esteem issue, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so then as we grow, so we've got, you know, conception and then there's the day that the, there's going to be an experience where there, this is in this way of being, we've been in harmony with ourselves. We trust ourselves. We trust others and we trust life. There's been no emotional break in that trust so we keep going along life is amazing we're superman or superwoman or we're being whoever we want to be and life is grand and then we hit this this block there will be an experience that we go into that where normally we would have completed that experience like it'd be whole perfect and complete we get stopped something happens that we didn't even know could happen and it blindsides us and it causes us to doubt ourselves to think there must be something really wrong with us. This is the day of our ego. This is the day we created our ego, the inception of our ego, which from that moment on will then what happens to us, and this is all subconscious, by the way, what happens to us is we think there must be something really wrong with us. So we don't want anyone to know about that again. So we become a way to survive life, right? Yeah. And so then from that day forward, what happens inside of, so this is the conception. This is the inception. Then we it, we take on a false self, which is the ego, which is now we've created a perception. So now there's this perception of who we think we are. And now every negative experience we have since this day is just another bigger version of the same trauma, right? Because this is an emotional trauma that happened. And that's why what happens is I would go and I was, I would be, I became really successful. I built my first um, million dollar company. I co-owned it. And I remember um, not understanding how can I be so successful, but feel so inadequate. Like I still felt like there was something wrong with me. And I was always doubting myself, always questioning myself, always living in survival. Like what? I think the funniest thing to me is my, my daughter, this is like in hindsight, it's like now she's in med school, right? And, but when she was really young, when she was younger, 
the funniest thing is like she, you know, my sister, we were having a conversation and my daughter said something, you know, well, those people that are in the 1%, you know, those people. And my sister looked at her and she goes, what do you think your parents make? What do you think you make? You know, and she's like, what do you mean? She had no idea we were wealthy mm-hmm. because we lived in, not that, that we didn't have nice things. We lived in survival constantly feeling that there was something wrong that even though we financially had money we she didn't think we were wealthy if that doesn't tell you what i mean like you know it's a trauma right so i would go to all these personal development people um top authors best-selling you know um i've done therapy for you know traditional way i went to four different therapists long story short nothing that they told me could help me figure out why did i still feel this way they would say well just reframe it just think different thoughts it's like, if you could think different thoughts, wouldn't you do that by now? Like, <laughs> if I could yeah. just think differently, well, I would have done that a long time ago. So it really left me feeling like, what, what is really wrong with me? And um, I just became obsessed. It took me six years. I'm not an overnight success. It took me six years to uncover what I can do for people in eight weeks. In eight, week, eight short weeks, I can help people exactly find their core trauma because if we don't hit this one and this is the other thing i want to say is like most oftentimes people think like when they come i I get a lot of people who've gone to therapy you know for years and the reason it doesn't work is because they're they're hitting these well the original one is going to feel so minor compared to these but where it all happened is the most important thing because when we can hit the first one everything starts to fall like a domino right yeah. Does that make sense to you? It does, Mia. There's one thing that I yeah. cannot figure out is huh. what if you don't know or you can't realize it? Like, for example, your your daughter didn't know you were wealthy because you were in that survival mode and you didn't yeah. want to. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You didn't want to spend more or, or show it. Yeah. So what about the people that don't realize what their, their struggle is or what? Yeah. It's a great question. That's a great question. So everybody's had an emotional trauma. Like it's you're you. There's not even with the people who think they've had the best um, life. It's just that we look at trauma very differently. So I'm going to share some examples. So, um, for instance, I remember this one guy who um, he even went to a hypnotist before he came to me because he didn't think I would be. He didn't know I could help him find his trauma like in a few seconds. <laughs> So he went to a hypnotist because he didn't remember his trauma, but he read my book and he was like, oh my gosh, I know this is what I need, but I have, I thought I had to, he, had, he thought he had to find his trauma first. And so the one that she helped him find is not the one that I found right within a few seconds, but here's why, and I'm going to show you. So his trauma was, and this is going to, this is why it seems so simple. People miss it. When he was like four years old, he came home from preschool and he was so excited because he had colored in the box like everything, the way that the picture was, he had colored inside the lines and he was so excited. And he goes running in and he he says, he described the situation where his dad was at his desk and he goes running in and he's like, dad, 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 look what I've done. I colored in the box. And he was expecting his dad to go, oh my gosh, you are just incredible. Look at what you've done. Like he only expected praise. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, his dad looked at him and he goes, wow. I guess you don't have much of an imagination. And he was heartbroken, heartbroken, like broken. So what he said to him, literally those were the words he said when I asked him, what did you make that mean? 
And he, and he's asking his subconscious, like we just look through, you're just ask yourself, it will tell you. He made it mean that he must be broken. If he doesn't have an imagination mm-hmm. at a, at a four years old, we're so literal, right? You, the kids don't, they don't sit there and go, Oh, you know what? Dad must be just having a bad day. Maybe I interrupted him in the middle of like something that was really not going well. Um, they don't, they don't think all that. We don't think, we think our parents are God, right? And if God says, this is terrible that you don't have this, like in the way he was expressing, he didn't say any nasty words, but the feeling was like, wow, like this is a letdown. You're going to, you don't have an imagination. Like, and so then from that day forward, he became somebody who had to try to be better than everybody. He had to try to do more, do harder, constantly living in stress and anxiety, constantly people pleasing, constantly trying to show that he is good enough. And like to the point of like burnout of constantly doing this. Can you see how that, that could be something that is so small that people wouldn't see that as a trauma? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. And that makes me think of one of the things you mentioned about kids can't understand. And one of them is they can't understand sarcasm at a young right. age. Right. And and it got <laughs> me thinking it, because I have little kids, right? I have a six-year-old. She's going to be seven next week. And yes. I have two. I have twins that are three years old. And I, I, I love sarcasm. And sometimes I let it out with the kids. Like, uh, I don't know. Oh, my... My crayon, I wanted a blue crayon, but this one is green. I'm like, oh, no, the world is going to end. By this kind of behavior that I, I take it very lightly because it's just a joke. Yeah. Could that be influencing like what the kid thinks? Or maybe I, this is just an exaggeration, but yeah. some form of sarcasm. Totally. It's all, it, totally because trauma is in the eye of the beholder. Like why you can have even twins. I have a story about this. So there's a guy, this is a great story. Um, um, so I was, I get a lot of referrals. So there was this guy who came to me and he was referred to me from one of my past clients. And he said, um, I heard you were the best. The problem I have is no matter what, I cannot like get ahead. Like I've never become the number one salesperson. Like he was, uh, you know, in a company, you know, but he's like, no matter what, Anytime I get any kind of money, it seems to go away. Like I can't keep money at all. So I said, okay, let's look at your trauma. Let's go through it. And he said, oh, no, no, I had a good trauma. They, like, a good life. They always say that. I don't have any trauma. I had a good life. I said, yeah, I know. Everybody says that. I said, let's just go back. And um, he said, he told me this story. And because and, at first he couldn't, he didn't think he had one either. And I take him back and I ask him these questions to have him find it. Here's the fascinating thing. So he was a twin. So here he was. He was. Um, He says he remembers he was like three years old and he was laying in bed, you know, they were both in bed and his, um, his mother comes running in and she goes, hurry up, hurry up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Your dad's coming home and he's drunk. You need to go underneath my bed and not come out until I tell you. And he was so scared by the way his mom was reacting and everything. Um, He was so scared. He blacked out underneath the bed. His brother, the twin was just like, oh, whatever. It didn't phase him. And he just went to sleep. When he grew up, the twin that just, the, his brother, he just went on to be uber successful. Everything he touched turned to gold. This one, 
every time from that day forward, he was so traumatized that when he came through, he kept looking over his shoulder like something bad was going to happen. So he was always expecting something to shock him and scare him and it was going to go bad. So from that day forward, they called him the shy one, the cranky one, because he would cry over little things like scared him and so forth. Now, watch that, right? So we heal his trauma within two months. He becomes the number one salesperson in his company, right? Wow. Within three months, he goes on to build out his own company. He started his own, like three months later. So four months later, he went on and opened his own company. It, it's incredible because when you, when this trauma occurs, you made, you made it mean something that gave you a perception. So you became an identity uh, that you think you are, that yeah. you're not. And so what happens is because it, that's what happened. It keeps running in the background of your mind that this is who you are. But trauma is in the eye of the beholder. That's why for the twin, it doesn't, it, the two people could have the same exact experience. One will perceive it this way and one will perceive it that way. Everything, everything we know is about perception. Everything. Right? Wow. Everything. That, that's why a lot of people think what well, they have, everybody has their own truth. Right. So what is the truth to you? Exactly. Maybe Everybody's if, right. Exactly. <laughs> because yeah. I, I perceive it or I live things in a different way than you do. So my truth is truth to me, but to you, it may not be. And this is like a Hitchcock movie. Yes. Like these things. It's so fascinating at the same yes. time. Yes. Wow. Yes, because I'm showing everybody like where nobody understands it. Like we, we've heard people like I, I, I get a lot of educated people like that. They've done a zillion self-development programs. They've gone to like they've done it all, read all the books. And they'll say like things to me like, you know, like people know about the ego, but they don't really know where theirs are. Theirs is. And mm -hmm. they don't really know where the day they created it. I show you how you created the ego as a way to survive. And, and the ego isn't bad. If you understand the ego, we created it. It's a false self. We created when we were really young because we didn't think we were capable of being with the emotions we were feeling at the time that we made that meaning of what was happening. Well, that was the best we could do at three or four or whatever, you know, like, I mean, give us a little break here. Like, it's not like we had, we would have had to have models, parents that had models of understanding that would have had to have known exactly how to help us process our emotions. Chances are most, none of the people I see, myself included, had those kind of models. <laughs> Right. That was not what was happening in my household. You know, in my household, if, you know, you did something wrong, you didn't get talked to for days. They would stop talking, you know, like, or you would get the bell or you would get your mouth washed out. Like it was always a huge deal. It was never like, well, wow, you're upset. Let me help you process your emotions or let's talk about this or regain your power. And, you know, and once you get your power back, come back to me. Let's process this. Let's help you find your alignment and your power. Ever said those things to me, <laughs> right? But that's actually what it would really look like if you know, for somebody not to go into making a meaning of it and start reacting and living from it, is you'd have to know how to process your emotions. You'd have to know how to um, be able to separate the, the misunderstandings from the misconceptions that you have about something that you see and the meanings you're giving things. 
And then you can just bring yourself back into alignment at any time. You don't have to worry about running these open loops and these conversations or that negative voice. Um, when you heal this, I don't have a negative voice that runs in my head anymore. Really? Which is amazing because I never knew that that was possible, um, that I couldn't have that negative voice. I, yeah, I don't have a negative voice at all. Um, I don't have an ego that is beating me up. I do, everybody, you don't, um, when you uncover it and you heal it, you don't, you don't operate from there anymore. It doesn't mean that I don't know my ego or understand it, but I'm no longer operating from it. So it doesn't run. Wow. Makes sense. It, it does, and um, I hope to to get to that point one day because I often think about it, and I know where I've been and where I am right now in the yes. huge transformation that has happened, and I um, I try my best to have all the positive thoughts and yeah. and be grateful for all the things. And for example, one of the things that I used to be very bad at was mm. judging the mm -hmm. immediate judgment of yeah. anything or anybody. Yes. And now that's something that I, I hate and, and I never want, I never use the word hate, but for that thing, I hate doing it. Yes. Um, but as soon as it happens, I realize it and I stop, I control myself and I try yes. to imagine, uh, you know, there's so many situations like, and why we should never judge anybody. Hmm. But, it still shows up. I can stop it after I realize it, mm. but it comes in. And that's something like I yeah. want to get to a point where that can completely yeah. go away. Well, it's all based on what you're making it mean. So for instance, mm. like what do you, cause feel this, you're just, you're going to love this. Cause it's going to, you're going to really get a lot of value out of this piece here. Cause it'll really help you. But can you see that when, when, what are you making it mean when you see, when you start judging someone, what do, what are you making that mean about you? About me? What am I making it mean? Yeah, it's something negative because that's why you feel negative emotions. So what's the thoughts like, oh, stop doing that. That's not right or that's not good. Or I don't know the meaning you're giving it. But what is that meaning? What What's the voice say as soon as you start judging? What's what, well, How are you criticizing yourself? Uh, you are a terrible person. You that's should it, never right? You should never judge others because good. you have no clue what they're going through or who they are. Good, good, good. Just stay with that one for a second, just so you can see it. So the mm -hmm. first thing you're saying is you are a terrible person. Okay. Now the interesting thing is that the more you resist this, the more it keeps happening. That becomes the loop, right? Like the more you keep saying you're a terrible person, don't do that. The more you do that, the more you actually cause it to happen again and again. So the, the, the way to interrupt this programming or that pattern, right, is you have to first be able to be able to pull back and look objectively at this meaning. So like if you pull back and just look down um, when you were judging the person, right, now mm -hmm. you want to kind of separate the truth from the lie about that. Like think of the last time you did that and you made yourself really terrible about that. Can you can you recall it? Uh, it actually goes away pretty quick. Good, good. Because yeah. as soon as you pull back and you go, oh, like, let me look at this, like, get curious. What's the, tr like, inside of, like, you're a terrible person for judging, right? What's the truth and what's the lie? 
So what's the lie that judging is means you're a terrible person? What's the lie about that? And just feel for it. Because here's here's where I'm going with this. Um, and normally I will let you just find it, but I'm just just for time, I'm gonna yeah. help you see it. So the judging inside of this is the truth is, I'm gonna go to and we'll see the lie. The truth is you cannot stop judging. The difference between though the way that it feels is when you allow yourself to see contrast, right? As contrast instead of a judgment as something's wrong. So when you, the reason you feel negative emotion is because the meaning that you're giving the judgment is that there's something wrong. When if you, in fact, will just look at the contrast, meaning the difference, right? Like the truth is we don't know what we like until we know what we dislike. So Mm -hmm. the very thing that causes you to be able to focus intentionally on what you do want out of life is the very thing you have to stop pushing against when you see something you don't like. So an example of that means like, I, you don't know, I don't know that I like chocolate until I know I don't really like vanilla. Like I'm not really a vanilla person. Like I really Mm -hmm. like chocolate, but I don't know that contrast until I have that contrasting experience. So if you can just look at the situation and instead of making it mean something's wrong for choosing, now you have the, most powerful place because you're in the power of choice. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, that's absolutely uh, incredible. Mm. Good. And, and then once you do that, once you keep saying, oh, look at the difference between those. Huh, that's interesting. No, I, I really choose this one. And now you honor your choice and you you really praise yourself for going, I love that I get to choose. I love that I'm choosing, like whatever it is, because there's no meaning. It's not right or wrong. You get to choose. When you honor your choice and you praise yourself, you will never worry about judgment again. Beautiful. That is beautiful. Yeah. You mentioned our programming, which is something that I'm fascinated about, too. I, yes. hear, I hear Bruce Lipton talk about the programming. I don't know if you heard of him. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, Bruce. And uh, that's one of the things that I often think about is the programming and uh, how not to get my kids the same programming that, uh, I mean, the bad programming, right? You, yeah. you want them to have some sort of programming, but want to be yeah. the good one. And yeah. I know before the age of seven is the best time to do it. Yes. Now, nobody know, nobody has all the answers. And of course, I don't have them. And you probably don't have all the answers either. But how do we know we're doing the right thing? So I love that question. I really do love that question a lot. So the first thing I want to I want to give you is that the the truth is your kids are gonna they already have programming, right? Because yeah. that trauma, like, and see this for yourself. Like, do they? Can you see the trauma like playing out? Can you see where their insecurities are already based on, like, you know, especially the six year olds? Yeah. You will see that there for sure. Um, has it happened in the three year olds yet or no? Well, uh, we can definitely see that some differences in insecurities in, in the three-year-olds too. Perfect. So it's already happened. So because the reason- there's two of them. Because of there's course. two of them, I can see if the there contrast. was only one. If there was only one, it would be so <laughs> yeah. hard. I know. Yeah. I know. But and that's okay. But here's here's why I say this to you is so it's the so there is no freedom 
from need. Okay, so what I mean by that is you, as soon as you need that to be different, that they don't have programming, you will then want to fix it, which makes it like the all fear is a result of an attachment. When you, like not accepting what is, it's when we want to attach to something and say that shouldn't be that way. So the way that you're going to, like the fastest way to support you and really being the incredible father that you're really standing for, because you really want to be an incredible father. You don't ask me those questions if you weren't an incredible father, because people who don't care about being incredible fathers don't ask those questions. Mm -hmm. So that already says a lot about you, right? Like a zillion things about you. So what, what I would say to you then is the way that you're going to be super successful with your children is the key is going to be not making their programming wrong, but support. So like, because whatever we, if whatever we don't accept, we will judge. Mm -hmm. So you just accept that they have some programming that's already running. You wouldn't have been able to stop the programming from happening. Okay. They would, it would have happened at school or with another kid or with someone. So the fact that it's happening right now or whatever, just accept, oh, it's happening here. Then release yourself from feeling there's something wrong about that. And instead, come from here. Come from when, no matter who's running the program, whenever that happens, you want to really step back, pull yourself out of like trying to fix it or make it right. And just really be take on more of the observer, like me, and because this is how you're going to get the best information from your intuition on how to handle it. Um, you know, Khalid Gibran, I think he said it best, the poet. Um, he said, and I took him to heart when I had my daughter. My daughter's 27 now, um, and she's um, just started med school in Stanford, you know, university. And I really took what he said as when I was a young mom to heart. He said. Your children are not your children. They come through you, but they are not from you. And when I took that perspective of like, oh, this little beautiful being is here to experience life in the contrast for what she wants to get out of this. This is not, and how can I support her in just seeing to how to make her best decisions for herself? Like it's always to empower her in whatever it is that she was wanting to do. And I can honestly tell you that is exactly what works because that's what she did. That's how she got to Stanford. I never did anything for, I just helped her find her own power and then helped her stand for like critical thinking. Meaning I would say, well, what do you think there is for you to do? Like, how do you see this? Right. And then I would help her brainstorm maybe some ideas, but then she got to choose and then she got to, you know, and then we would praise, praise, praise you know, inside of the decisions that she made, whatever decision she makes, because even a decision that doesn't work is a, like any mistake is like, it's just, it's not like a, it's like a pro take is a mistake. It's not like people wake up and go, I can't wait to make a mistake today. Right. <laughs> so every mistake has within it an incredible gift. When we don't look at mistakes as bad, but as contrast, this is going back to the same piece of contrast, right? Yeah. When we no longer react to, and here's, this is such a beautiful thing you're bringing us to because when we can stop framing mistakes or problems as a statement, as a like something's wrong, something went bad because it tricks our brain into believing that that's a fact. When instead, and then it has us reacting, doing negative behaviors, making poor decisions, which is all the things that hurt entrepreneurs 
in their lifetime, right? Like that's how business really suffers. So what we want to do instead is we want to actually, since every problem actually has a solution, right? This is not because Mia says so, because there's a universal law called the law of polarity. And the law of polarity says that if for there to be, there's nothing exists in a half. So meaning everything exists in an equal and opposite whole. So that means for an up to exist, a down has to exist. For an in to exist, out has to exist. So that means for lack to exist, abundance must also exist in the same moment in time, not a different moment. Hmm. So every problem has the exact has a solution at the same moment in time. What has you not see the opportunity or not see the solution is because when we frame it as something's wrong, our reticular activating system in the back of our brain only sees what is a match to what's wrong. So how we have to get to the opposite is you just have to help them see, right? When something happens as a mistake, wow, celebrate it. Good. Now pull back. What do you see now? What's the contrast? What is it that, what did the mistake give you as what is now that you can see is the truth, right? What's, what is it? Or you can pose it as a question. You can say, how could you blank whatever that is so that you could blank? You just pose it instead of saying, this is what's wrong. Or how could you blank so that you could have blank? Like just pose it as a question and it will literally flip your brain into now giving you an answer to that solution. Does that does that support you inside of that? Yes, this is so good. Awesome. So good. Wow, Mia. I, I, I could hear you talk about this forever. This is so so great, so fascinating. Nice. And it it comes back to like the beginning when we start talking about perception. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's again when something that I think is a mistake, that's my perception. It may not be it may not be a mistake for you, right? I, like a lot of people think, uh, I don't know, one example is uh, it's a mistake to smoke weed, while the one that smokes the weed may think this is the best thing ever because it makes me feel good and yes. it's their perception. Uh, I mean, there are things that uh, everybody has a common perception about, but uh, it's just so yeah, so crazy. Yes, yes. when we can see that um, it's our perception can can be our greatest gift inside of when we want to give our perception like something that is in alignment with what our desires are, or it can be our greatest hindrance um, when we create a perception of that there's something wrong with us. um, And we are then constantly then trying to do some type of thing to look good or try to be okay. Because every single time we do that in that spiral, that open loop, it just creates more not going right. Right. But when we can celebrate mistakes, you know, I don't know, like I, I, I really share this story. So when my daughter was um, in uh, high school, I said to her, you know, so what do you think you want to be, you know, before college and everything? You know, I said to her, you know, colleges are big businesses. You know, they make money off of children not knowing what they want to do. And so we don't want to throw money in. We never throw money away. Like we want to just we I'm not obsessed with it, money, but I definitely honor money. I don't like to just throw it at things. And so I said, you know, we, you know, before you go to college, we need, you want to know what is it that you most love to do? And she said, well, how will I find that? And I said, very simple. You just start and end what you don't love to do 
will then start to tell you how what you do love to do. So she she said originally she thought she wanted to be um, an ER doctor because that's what was really big on the shows back then, right? And so she goes and I said, okay, so your work is to shadow, go follow an ER doctor and watch what he does because within four or five days you're going to know if this is the job for you. So she goes and shadows an ER doctor and she comes back and she says, oh mom, it was really boring. I don't want to be an ER doctor. I said, oh. Good to know. She says, yeah, all we do is get derelicts. We get people that are homeless and that's so nice and everything that, but that's not what I wanted. I want, I don't want to be bored. And I said, okay, great. What are you going to try next? She says, oh, I think I'm going to go do cardiology. I want to do heart surgery. Wow. I was like, okay, I know I'm not a, this is not, this is why your children come through you and they're not from you because I am the least person that would ever do those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is where your children are, you know, your own children, right? So then I said, okay, what are you interested in? Oh, cardiology, great. So she goes and shadows a cardiologist and she comes back after like, you know, two days. And she says, mom, I can't be a cardiologist. I said, why? What happened? She says, mom, you know what the repeat, their, their patients are? Old people. You know what they talk about all day long? Everything that's wrong with them. I can never do that. I said, perfect. Perfect. What do you want to try next? Oh. I think I want to go try plastic surgery. Okay, go try it. She goes and shadows a plastic surgeon, comes back, and she goes, I love it. I love it. They gave her, like, he gave her, like, he had done, like, a, pre a breast reduction, gave her two pieces and taught her how to stitch, and she was sold. Because, like, the funniest thing is, like, she absolutely loves helping people just look their best selves. And so the artisticness in her was there. Now, we, she would never have known that. Had she not made what people call a mistake two different times before she found her love. And because of that, she was able to, those doctors all gave her the number one recommendation. She got into the school of her choice. Then she went to work for the top class surgeon in the United States. And that's one of the top in, top 10 in the United States, um, which would happen to be in La Jolla where she went to school. And now she's got those, all those people gave her referrals that got her into Stanford. So you see what I'm saying? Like the yeah. things that people call mistakes, there's no such thing as a mistake. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't put any meaning into that at all. No, I, I really like that. I like that because it, it always goes back to thinking about your own and how to do it with, with your own kids. And, yeah. and that's beautiful the way you did it. Just go try it. If you like it, you continue. If you don't like it, yes. at least you know, because that's know? the worst part is, yeah. something that you don't know and then all your life you, you you'll be thinking what if i, I tried it i should have yeah. tried that and that's the worst regret that is so worse that is worse the life of regret is so far worse than ever the life of of doing what you were passionate you thought you wanted yes. to do test it out the thing of it is is people don't think about this but um shadowing doesn't cost anything like shadowing is where you just choose somebody who is already an expert and that you, you know, reach out to them and say, I, listen, I admire your work. I've seen it. You know, you tell them what you love about them. You say, I would just love to come watch what you do. You just shadow them. It doesn't cost any money. It just costs your time, obviously, but it is the best spent time ever. Like when you can spend time seeing what it is you like and what you don't like, that is going to pay such a huge return. And I'm all about making money and leveraging our money and time in the way that produces us tremendous wealth. So, yes. Awesome. Let me tell me one thing. Uh, your book is yes. meant for more. That's the title of the book. 
It is. Your listeners can get it for free. It's the only place they'll be able to get it for free. Is that um, I'll give you a link. Uh, you can put in the shows, but it's Mia Meant for More Book.com. So Mia Meant for More Book.com. And all they have to do is enter the password because it is private protected. Otherwise, it's sold everywhere. Um, but they can just put in their pa- the password, fr- all one word, free book, capital F, and then the rest is lowercase. So free book, capital F, and they'll be able to download the book for free um, and be able to read it themselves and so forth. So very good. I'll, I'll have that on the show notes just in case yeah, uh, somebody, was, you know, a lot of people listen to driving the, and driving, yeah, I know. <laughs> they're running on treadmills. I, I hear know. that often. Yes. So, uh, for, for all of you that are running and driving, I'll, I'll have this on the show notes. Sure. Yeah. Mia meant, Mia meant for more book.com. You got it. All right. Yeah. I'll have that on the show notes. Mia, for everybody that's listening and they want to know more and they want to get in contact yeah. with you, uh, where can they go and find you? You know, they can go, they can really just email me. I'm the one who answers. I know people always yeah. go, you answer your own emails. Yes, I do. I have my team. I have a brilliant team, but they don't do my emails. Um, so they can just email me directly at Mia at MiaHewitt.com. And Hewitt is spelled H-E-W-E-T-T. Um, they can check out my website as well. But I know we're redoing. Um, my team is re- in the process of revamping. Mm-hmm. But they can email me directly or go to my website. Definitely email the, you know, get the free book. Uh, the book is incredible. It really, I get people from all over the world that, I because I told it in my story. Um, so that people could really hear what I was, what I'm pointing at is, is something I wanted them to find it in themselves. So I told it in story format so that they could really answer the questions themselves and go through the book as a journey. Uh, so that it's what I wish I wrote the book that I wish somebody would have given me. I'm 52. Um, I wish that somebody would have given me this book. And when I was 18 years old, I've been reading you know self-help books since I was definitely 16 probably I've worked I've started working when I was 13 years old and it's the book I wish somebody would have given me that would have saved me a lot of time money and going in the wrong directions because I couldn't sort myself out and couldn't figure out you know how life really worked and not what people told me is how it worked or what I had been conditioned to believe so I really, I, I always love, you know, so reach out to me, anyone listening. If you read the book, tell me what you think. I love, I always love feedback. I love to hear what people got out of it. It really means the world to me. Yeah. That, that's one of my favorite things, what you just said, that yeah. you wrote the book that you wish somebody had written for you. And, that, and that's what is missing a lot out there. Cause there's so many yeah. people that have so much information in their heads Yes. And they went through something, but they're going to keep it to themselves. And yeah. just putting it out there to help somebody else is, yes. is it's the beauty of it. it that mm. ripple effect is going to cause in somebody else's life. So Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you for that. Nia. It's, My pleasure. So everybody, I uh, hope you check out these links. Check them out in the show notes. Or if you have a good memory, check it out at miahewitt.com or uh, Mia Mint for more book.com. And Mia, it's a huge pleasure having you here. And Thank of course, you, we're, we're going to have to stay in touch because I, uh, I for one, want to know more. 
Awesome. Awesome. My pleasure. It was so great to be here. Thank you so much for what you're doing in the world. Um, I know that this is awesome. You're teaching people to really not make meanings of failing fast, right? Mm -hmm. Failing fast podcast. So super love what you're up to and what you're doing. So thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Mia. Yeah. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.